This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Videoblocks.com. Stop overpaying for stock media that's underwhelming. Videoblocks is an affordable, subscription-based site that gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 HD video clips, After Effects templates, and motion backgrounds. Get your seven-day free trial at Videoblocks.com slash promo slash PCPer. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast for Wednesday, September 2nd, 2015. I'm interim podcast host Sebastian Peake, sitting in for Ryan Shrout, who is unavailable tonight. As is Alan, Josh, and Jeremy. Yes, listener, it's just you and me together. Let's do a podcast. I agree. Let's do a podcast. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Believe it or not, that was a, that was a mic test we were doing with Sebastian. He did not murder everybody yeah. and take over the show. Uh, he is here with us, but uh, we're all here. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malventano. I'm the aforementioned Sebastian Peak. Yes, um, thank you for not murdering us in our sleep. Uh, but I don't feel like I need to go over the intro stuff. Like you know the date now. You know when we recorded the show. All that information is awesome. Accurate. Should just do that from now on. And guest number three sixty five. Was that the right number? It's a special number. It is 365. We have done days of podcast a year. If you listen to one PC Perspective podcast every day, you can Uh get through a whole year of your life entertained and educated. Or you could have a lot of scarring on your wrists. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, So let's just jump into this, guys. Uh, We record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Sometimes, most of the time. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't even go most of the time if we're really being honest about this. Sometimes we have things like where YouTube refuses to accept our video, so we have to suddenly switch over to Twitch as our primary feed provider, which is what we did today. Uh, so we started about twenty-five minutes late. But you know what? You didn't pay for this. This is free for you. No, no bitching. All right, it's free. We're here. We're doing a podcast, uh, and that is at pcper.com/live. If you go to pcper.com/subscribe, you can sign up for a little mailing list. Right, yeah, that asks for your name and email address, and all we do is send you a notification about the events that we're going to do. Uh, here's a little secret for everybody that's listening live now. If you're not on the mailing list, you should be. We are going to have another live event tomorrow. Yep. Hopefully, with fewer technical glitches. Hopefully. Likely we'll have more, but sh- hopefully fewer. We're, we're doing way more different, uh, unique new things for us. We're going to have a uh, Logitech-sponsored game stream where we do some racing in Project Cars, Dirt Rally, and I believe uh, Grid Autosport, um, where Josh and Alan pretend to like race for real. Uh, Ryan does for about one lap. And then he drives is, backwards. Is in last for like by a two minute margin, turns around 180 and drives backwards on the track to try to run head on. That is the kind of event that I am looking forward to hosting uh, tomorrow evening. I think we're just going to start at 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, so, so pay attention to that. And we're going to give away a pair of Logitech G29 racing wheels, which are $400 value each. One slightly used by me, so you'll I'll autograph it for you if you want when you email it, uh, and a silver sharpie on the bottom or on the top if you're into that, you know, whatever, whatever you're into. Um, so make sure you sign up for that and uh, come hang out with us tomorrow as we'll be goofing off. I believe Josh stocked up on beer for the event. Is that a correct uh, assumption, Mr. Walworth? Um, I, I have like a year's supply downstairs, so yeah. Yeah, it's like a wine cellar full of kegs or something. <laughs> Everybody's got to have goals in life. 
Um, so let's jump into stuff that happened over the last week or so. First thing I want to mention is Mori posted a review of the new Asus Z170A motherboard. Um, you may think that we've talked about this before. This Before, he had posted a preview of it, which is kind of an overview of features. Uh, it looked at kind of the layout of stuff, but it didn't really dive into the use cases for a lot of the software or uh, firmware stuff, the UEFI information. This is now the full review that kind of goes over all the storage technology performance, um, looks at USB 3.0. I think it looks at USB 3.1 performance. Um, actually, I think maybe just the reference is ours because he didn't have 3.1 hardware yet. Uh, a very common problem in this day and age. Um, so if you are one of those people on the lookout for a Core i7-6700K or 6600K, um, which is a Core i5 part because I was corrected by that in our comment section earlier, um, then you will be interested to see this motherboard. It is, uh, it's a terrific board. Uh, it follows up on Asus's uh, uh, kind of well-thought-of series of boards from Z97, Z87, uh, very good feature sets, uh, high reliability, overclockability. And this is the Z170A, which is, I want to say it's like a low-end board, but it's the least expensive of their channel boards, but it still offers, I think, a lot of features on there, right? So it still has USB 3.1. It's got two ports of it, uh, but it does have some things like VGA and DVI that some of the higher-end boards do not have. This is more kind of leaning towards users who want a little bit more legacy support. There is a PS2 port hmm. on this as well, which is interesting because we had a reference to using one of those today here at the office. Probably, probably still does that RAID. It, uh, it only has one... No, it will still do that. It'll do the, the PCI PCIe RAID, RAID yep. with an M.2 and a PCI Express mm-hmm. add-in card. Um, you can see here the, the layout. It supports two-way SLI and three-way crossfire. Um, it does have a legacy PCI slot for all of Josh's uh, Sound Blaster 16s. That uh-huh. he wants to install. Um, lots of, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I was building a system recently and I was annoyed that there weren't enough fan headers. These motherboards have plenty of fan headers on them. Uh, it's little things like that that you don't realize until you're actually like installing the motherboard and actually using it uh, with maybe a 240 millimeter air uh, water cooler that, yep. you know, has two fans and you've got two case fans and they're going to install the pump somewhere. It can be. Can be pretty uh, pretty hectic here. So, uh, but you can see here M.2 support as well. Again, full speed, uh, courtesy of the Z170 chipset, doing PCIe 3.0 on that uh, on the Southbridge side of things. You know, you don't have a ton of SATA drives or SATA slots. You don't have any SATA drives, but you only have uh, six SATA uh, ports um, only. Right, the default that comes out of the chipset. But everybody's used to other stuff. I think six is more than enough for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has SATA Express. You'll probably never use it. Uh, I do like. It seems simplistic and kind of dumb that there's a sticker on this that says OS Drive and points to a SATA port. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it just makes crap easier. Yeah, it's like true. whether or not we're t- setting up a test bed or uh, you're installing this in a system, like knowing that you're not like. So what that means is that OS Drive. Now the location, question is top one or bottom one. Well, it doesn't matter. That's true. So, so what? What is it? It'll indica- be on the controller. What it's that's indicating easy. to you is. Yeah. No matter what other features you use or enable, those two ports will not be disabled. Yep. So you don't have to worry about your OS, like installing an M.2 and a PCIe SSD, and all of a sudden your OS drive disappears or something like that. So yeah. I think uh, those are the middle two, is what they. Yeah, about. and it's, and again, like it may differ from one SKU to the next, it may differ from vendor to vendor. So having that little sticker on there, again, seeming kind of childish, mm-hmm. is actually incredibly useful. 
um, as most of these types of things are. So uh, check out Maury's review. He's got the normal giant heatsink installation photos that I really can't even fit on one screen anymore. Like I have to scroll a little bit to get them to get them on the screen. Um, but they yeah, are I there. Think, plenty I of think Maury's compensating. Yeah, and he and he continues to do it like so, and he just throws it in our face, just slaps it around left yeah. and right. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking minimal accessories. You know, none of the fancy SATA cables, none of the fancy SLI bridges. Just kind of the bare necessities on this. Um, but uh, still has the same UEFI firmware. Still has uh, support for the AI suite of yep. applications and the integrated overclocking. And all of the overclocking on um, this board is just as good as it is on the deluxe. Like the the power design and all that stuff is nearly identical between all of it. And I think the best part, this is a $163 motherboard. So you can look at that battery placement. Oof. That is, that is excellent. If you, if you had a massive heatsink though, you wouldn't be able to get to it. Yes, that's true. But I mean, not many people have, I don't want to say that. Not everybody has more size heatsinks. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> if you catch my draft. Huge yeah. tracks of heat sink. <laughs> Huge, Huge tracks. tracks of aluminum. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I really like this board. I think Maury really, really liked this board. Uh, I did get another choice, so I assume that he did. He lists the inclusion of a PCI slot as a weakness. I don't see that as a weakness. It's just it's taking the place of another PCI Express slot. Oh, okay. You know, right? Yeah. I, I kind of see it. And then uh, circuitry and close proximity to socket on the under, underside of the board, which could be dangerous if you're using you know, backplates. Just be a little bit careful with that stuff. So check out that review if you are one of the many people that will be taking advantage of uh, Intel Skylake processors in the uh, not-too-distant future. Now we're going to talk to Sebastian, the guy who threatened to murder all of us at the beginning of the show. He already did. Murdered all of us? Yeah. In his intro? These are very good impersonations. Then, oh, okay. I say. Uh, Seb- He's a really good programmer. <laughs> yeah. Sebastian, we posted a review of the Fantex Enthu Pro... Enthu, which only sounds like it sounds like I have a lisp, but I don't. Cthulhu? It's the Fantex Enthu Pro M Mid Tower Just Enclosure. Just go into the tunnel, and you'll be just right there. Uh, this into is an interesting case for me personally because you finished this review so long ago that uh, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot here, but we didn't publish it for a very specific reason, which was what. Uh, it was, was it not released? It was yet? not for sale yet. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one he chose to hold off on. Because I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait till they actually show up for sale in the U.S., yeah. and then we'll do that. And I still don't think they're actually for sale, um, which is just one of those annoying things. They still promise me that it is. Um, but anyway, what do, you, what do you remember about the Enthu Pro M? <laughs> well, don't worry. I have it pulled up in front of me right now. Perfect. So for the listeners and viewers, this – if you remember the uh, Evolve ATX case we reviewed a couple of months back, it was that sort of gray monolithic aluminum thing with the wing doors that swung out from each side. Yeah. The internals of this case are identical. They, they use the same internal chassis. And to bring the cost down from that $120 case to the $79 price point, they used a lot of just rolled steel and plastic. So the front panel is plastic and the rest of the case is sort of your traditional rolled steel still very well made it was very stable feeling but it's they had to make some concessions to hit the price sure the the other big difference is with the enthu pro m you have a 280 millimeter fan opening right in the front 
which is just kind of a mesh material that does right. have a screen behind it. There were screen filters um, in three different locations on the board or on the uh, case. So they, the the top and the front being as open as they are, you're going to have a lot of noise issues if you have loud components. So my build for this particular review was fairly quiet components. Even so, when we get to the last page, the noise from the case was considerably higher than the same internal design hmm. with that aluminum enclosure. So I kind of I compared the Pro M versus the Evolve ATX, and you can see just what a difference the uh, external build made. But as far as cooling goes, this one had the advantage because it's more it's more open. Yeah, and kind of overall. Uh, I thought it looked nice. It has a, a brushed appearance to the front panel that looks pretty nice. And it does have a level of fit and finish that I would put right up there with some of the Fractal cases. This had a, f- a feeling of somewhere in between like the Fractal Core series hmm. and the Define series. And the price is kind of in between those two. So it's kind of a nice midpoint case. I, they have some of the same uh, nice features because the internals are identical. You've got uh, completely customizable storage. Yep. Right here, I see that. It only came with one of the hard drive trays, though. So if you wanted to put multiple three and a half inch drives in it, yeah. you have to buy their, their separate tray hardware. But it has a nice slide out uh, uh, radiator mount on the top that makes it really easy to install. That's coolest cool. drive bays. Yeah, I I think it looks like a nice it looks like a nice piece of hardware. Um, you get little things like this, like the two and a half inch mount points uh, behind the motherboard, right? You didn't run any run into any spacing issues or anything with that. No, spacing was good. Cable management was just as easy as it was with the last one, and it has that that same thing that we saw with the Define R5 and the Define S. Those Velcro straps that are coming on more yeah. cases now. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to manage cables. You just kind of tie them all off to the side, and there's a nice channel for it back there, so there's no gotcha. space problems closing the back panel or anything like that. Yeah, I like this view of kind of a completed build here where this you got this shroud that kind of encompasses the power supply fairly well. Uh, everything looks looks pretty neat and clean. And then there's those Vel- Velcro straps that Sebastian's referring yeah. to as well. Ooh. Yeah. I did a really simple build, but it's it's extremely easy to, to manage the cable mess. So what's this cost? We're talking about 79 bucks. Yep. That's their MSRP. So if, if it came out at like 69 bucks, I'd say, absolutely. It's a great case. Somewhere in that 70 to $80 range. It looks pretty good to me. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't know. Like we just don't like, again, I, I just looked, it's not for sale anywhere. And we've had this, re- we've had this review done for probably almost two months. Yeah. I think so. Either something happened and it's never going to ship and, and you spend all this time creating an, an amazing article with fantastic photographs for nothing or uh, we're just really early. Maybe. We'll just be ahead of the, ahead of the curve. Hope it's the latter. Let's move on to a, a GPU that I reviewed very early last week, at least in relation to podcasts. Um, the Asus Strix Fury. Asus Strix. Sorry, I was, Fury. Just, I was hoping it might be that. Yeah. No, it's no. not. It says no, very clearly on that. the thing. That's Asus not Strix yours. Fury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is a uh, a retail card of the Fury, 
Remember when it launched, we had the Sapphire model. This is the Asus version. Um, not a lot changes in terms of specifications or performance. In fact, performance is pretty much identical out of the box. Uh, very little clock differences here. Uh, but you get that, a, the, that was just the one with the... Yeah. With the... Enormous heat pipes. and Yes. Yeah. So the Asus one and the Sapphire one differ in uh, one key area, uh, two key areas, I guess. The cooler design is you're, is you're referencing, but also the PCB design. Okay. The Sapphire design took the Fury X card... Mm-hmm. PCB with its, uh, I think it was like seven and a half inch PCB, mm-hmm. and just now basically, you're just bragging. Now I'm just bragging. It gets smaller, Josh. Just wait. Yeah. And uh, you know, you cut. They basically used the same exact PCB and card, and just put a larger heatsink on it. It had a little bracket on the back of it to kind of support the weight of yeah. heatsink because yeah. with the heatsink it was a full length ten and a half inch to eleven inch card or whatever. Um, but they didn't have a PCB going all the way through. With the Asus card, it's a little bit different. You can see here, if you look at the back, um, there's a back plate here that is uh, both protecting the back of the PCB and also providing some strengthening here. That's what this red portion is in particular. Uh, and you can see it still has two 8-pin. One thing I like to point out here is uh, <laughs> they are using every millimeter for heatsink on this possible. Yeah. If you look like... Heatsink. These are heatsink fins that wrap around the uh, the power connectors, right? And there's an entrance here. There's a little bit of raised bit here, a little bit of raised bit here. And the power connectors are like sunk in. They are now. Luckily, the connectors, like the the locking clips, yeah, the are, on the are on the outside. Top. Okay. Right. So that that helps a lot uh, in terms of display connectivity. DVI, three display port, and an HDMI. That is HDMI uh, 1.4a. Obviously, still no changes there. Uh, but you can see, like, the PCB length, it is a full-length PCB, unlike all the other Fury cards that we have seen. Right. Now, if you look at the PCB, it's very empty. Like, there's not a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. They just were able to spread it all out. Well, they, the, the portion around the GPU, I remember comparing this to, like, other, just the standard size board. Yep. And it's like they kind of just took the same mask, and they just took, like, the power section what would usually be the last couple of inches of the board, and mm-hmm. they just stretched it right. to be like six well, I mean, inches instead here, of two. Here's, here's a picture of what that power delivery part of the Asus Strix Fury uh, looks, right? And we're not used to seeing graphics cards with this much kind of like empty PCB space yeah. floating around. Oops. Um, so it's it, they, they took a very different kind of approach with it. And I don't know... if is this better or worse? I mean, you're stretching things out so the traces are longer, which is kind of theoretically yeah, I mean, a negative. But it's just power. But you're, you're giving it's it like, more space for thermal dissipation and yeah. all kinds of other things that may be positive. So there I don't want to say... Less ringing and noise in terms of right. signal. Yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, all that stuff is underneath just that enormous cooler right. anyway. Yeah. So I'm sure it will, it will probably stay cooler than... So stock performance is the same as a Fury. It's a $550 video card. Uh, mm-hmm. 10, 12% less than a Fury X uh, to, to give you some uh, perspective, I guess, on it. Okay. So what I w- did want to talk about was like the differences between it and the Sapphire card, looking at overclocking, uh, thermals, and noise. Right. Those okay. are the things that you differentiate cards that are otherwise identical in terms of GPU technology. Yep. Right. So um, the this card, the Asus Strix R9 Fury GPU core, top overclock speed of 1,050 megahertz, which equates to 5%. 1,000 to 1,050. That sounds like as far as we've been able to get the other it's ones It's as to far go, right? as the Fury X has been able to go. It's okay. as far as the Sapphire Fury card was able to go. Really no changes at all here. Um, still a disappointing card in terms of being able to overclock. With so with it. those... So 
you know you don't have the potential for a pump wine, sure, but like the fans on that running like full load compared to the fan of the core of a of a Fury X. So like how is that compared? <clears throat> well, so if you look at the sound level graph, you'll see that uh, under load the Asus uh, Strix Fury card drew just over thirty five or drew uh, produced just produced, over thirty five yeah. dBA. Um, the the Sapphire one was quieter actually at thirty two. Okay. Uh, but the Fury X was the loudest at 36. Some of that might have been the pump, though. Some of it, but not all of it. Right. Like, and, and, and if you look at this, it makes it look like the Fury X and the Strix card are kind of very similar okay. in noise production. I still have yet to actually have a Fury X card that did not have pump wine. Yeah. Um, so my, my <clears throat> advice and kind of recommendation would be that the Strix uh, is going to be quieter than the Fury X from a user perspective because of the lack of pump wine. Yeah. Right. So you, you get more traditional noise that you that you would get, right? Where it's it's white noise, it's fan noise, it's air movement. You're more used to it. It's, it's a very it's a very silent. It's a very like, different profile. Yeah. Than white, what we had before. Oh, just that white noise profile. It, it does really yeah. just sound like white noise is being it, generated by something. It's very different. It's yeah. very different than than what you get on the Fury X. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at temperatures, the Fury Strix is five degrees cooler than the Sapphire Fury. Okay, but still warmer than. But still, I mean, the Fury X has that water cooler on it. It's running at 56 degrees Celsius. That's fantastic. Uh, But 70 to 75 is well under with the 290. You know, you're looking at a 10 degree difference between Mm -hmm. the R9 290X, which I will point out is not a reference one. That is an uh, Asus um, direct CU2. Okay, so with an improved 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 air cooler, right? So you're still getting a 10 degree C delta down Hmm. on, on the Fury Strix. Um, now you look at the temperature difference, seventy seventy five, and you look at the sound difference uh, between the Sapphire and the Asus, and you start to see that chances are, if Asus was willing to let the temperature get a little bit higher, mm-hmm. they could lower their noise level. Yeah, they can. Right. Yeah. There's this. There's this very obvious trade off where <clears throat> nobody's making revolutionary coolers at this point. They're all kind of iterative. They're all. Yeah. <clears throat> everybody knows how heat pipes work. Yes, some do better than others, but there's nothing dramatically different. So if they wanted to, they could probably bring that noise level down and especially since and the especially up. since you're only getting like five percent of an overclock out of that GPU, well, seem seemingly regardless of temperature to some yep. extent, right? Um, since you're getting the same overclock out of these than you were out of yep. the water cooled one, which was running like more than ten degrees cooler, right? right? Clearly, so, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter, at least not up till the temperatures we saw. So I, I really like this card. I think it got, I gave it a gold award. I think. Uh, if you find it and you can buy it and it's in your budget, mm-hmm. I think the Asus Strix Fury is a fantastic product. The problem is availability of the Fury and the Fury X are still really crappy. Yeah, It's still really bad. I'm going to click on this Amazon listing here for it, uh, and it's still listed as 569 bucks, which is kind of the MSRP I expected it to be at. Uh, but it still lists as ships within three to four weeks, which is mm. essentially a pre-order, and that's what it was when I published this review last week. So it's possible that they're getting in you know, a dozen at a time and yeah. shipping them out. And then the the wait just continues to be three to four weeks, or that it's possible that nobody's getting anything on this, and it's really hard hey, to. Hey, the the see. sapphire is in stock at uh, Amazon. Well, at least at Newegg. At Newegg, the Wag. Okay, I mean, and that's I mean that's a good product too, right? Like I said, the differences between these two cards are somewhat minimal, mm-hmm. um, but this is the only one I have left at the office, and I and I am, I am a fan of. It. I think it does a really really good job. Uh, and for the price, what it does to the GTX 980 and how close it gets to the 980 Ti, like those are, I think it's a, it's a, it's a winning card if they were actually Available. able to 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 sell it. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
<clears throat> so yeah, there's that. All right. So have you guys heard about Skylake? Cool. Uh, no, I haven't heard of that yet. What is that? What is Skylake? Josh, if you were to pick a number of how many processors <laughs> Intel should release in one day, <laughs> what would you pick? Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, I'm going to need another guess from Sebastian, although I know uh, that you edited the article, so you probably already know the answer. But if you were to guess how many processors Intel would kind of announce and release in one day. In one day, uh, between desktop and mobile? Yeah. Eight. <clears throat> okay, you guys are both really close. The answer is 46. What? 46 SKUs were announced yesterday. Now, I know they like segmenting. But that's kind of so a little got, bit ridiculous. So you got, you got, okay, here, let me break this down for you. Let's break this down in table form. Okay, so, so desktop and mobile, so, here, so now you have two. So here's, can you okay. do it in, in wrap? Uh, break it no. down. Break it down. So now I'm going to skip a over. story I'd like to tell about Intel Brothers <laughs> and their SKUs so well. It's pretty good. You want to keep going or? No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, so there's some slides here. I'm going to skip over it. It's kind of like, yes, we're better. Uh, I will point out this slide. They talk about 2.5x performance, 30x graphics improvement, and 3x battery life. That Compared is to not in the com- same chip. <laughs> right. They are comparing a Skylake to a um, 2010 Core i5 part. So they're basically saying if you've had a laptop for five years, it's time for you to upgrade, and here's the advantages you'll get. These are valid points. But 46 SKUs. But in in context, it's not incredibly useful. So let's talk about the SKUs, okay? We're going to look at mobile first, all right? We're going to go from top down. We're going to go the highest wattage mobile SKUs, 45 watts. Okay, wait. How many of the 46 is mobile? I don't know. Half. Is it just half? Because I kind of would have thought that maybe uh, I don't know. More. Count along with me. Oh, okay. Um, so Let's the 45-watt SKUs are the ones you're going to see in gaming machines, uh, mobile workstations, high-end, high-end mobile PCs, right? So you've got the Core i7-6920HQ, four cores, eight threads, 2.9 gigahertz base clock, 3.8 gigahertz turbo clock, um, support for... That should definitely say uh, DDR4 memory speed at 2133, not LPDDR3. We'll have to go and change those, uh, the labels there. Uh, L3 cache, 8 megs, TDP4, 45 watts. Price, $568. For a mobile part. This is the most expensive Skylake processor that exists today. Mobile? Not Xeon. That's mobile? It's mobile. Okay. All the parts I'm talking about now are mobile. Uh, so you can go down a little bit here. You know, the 6820 loses a couple hundred megahertz frequency, but otherwise is the same. You'll, the, only, the only thing I'll point out here that's interesting is you have the 6820HQ, the 6820HK, which is interesting because it's an unlocked part, the first unlocked mobile, mobile part. CPU? Wow, yeah. that's cool. Right, so that will be used by Asus, MSI, those guys to have like overclocking-friendly mobile machines, which is pretty cool. Okay. Right. Uh, and the 6700HQ that is actually 100 megahertz slower than those other two parts, all selling for $378, hmm. which is kind of messed up. Yeah. Right. OEMs are responsible for this. It's not really an end user type decision. Are those uh, are those prices like the bulk pricing? Numbers? Yeah. Is I mean, here's the thing. Again, you're not buying this, so there's just deals being made between ASUS, MSI. Hey, if you buy, you know, we know the 6700 HQ is not as fast as the 6820 HQ. Yeah. We'll give them to you for 360 yeah, if you buy all of those instead. Stuff. Right. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that's really what they're leaving room for here. Uh, we've they've got a couple of core i5 parts that are quad core. Um, again, $250 on that. And then there's even a Core i3 with a 35-watt TDP, two-core, four-thread, uh, $225. Bucks. So, All right. So 26 of those are mobile. Is that what you counted? 
That's what Arbiter Somebody counted. else counted? Yes. Okay. 26 of the 46. Yes. So more than half. Yeah. Okay. So now you got 20 left. So that are uh, 28 watts. That's an interesting point because... Oh, so that's another uh, setup. I'm it's, okay. it's, it's unique uh-huh. in that all of these use Iris graphics. Not okay. Iris Pro, but Iris. Iris Pro has 128 megs of ED RAM. Iris has 64 megs. So they went back on purpose in order to have lower power consumption. So I think what you should think of this is as 15 watt parts pushed up more to allow more room for that ED RAM and graphics performance to thrive. Sure. The, the problem is we don't know anything about the graphics implementations in terms of. Uh, well, no, I take that back. The 550 has. 48 execution units and 64 megs of EDRAM. That's twice the EUs of the 530, the HD 530 graphics using the 45 watt parts that we talked about. Okay, so a little bit beefier graphics. So these are going to be much better graphics performance okay. right? with the embedded DRAM, the higher end parts, but they're 28 watt parts. No prices listed. No prices are listed for anything that has EDRAM. Okay. Which is dumb, but whatever sure. you're going to do. Also, all these are dual core. Hyperthreaded, no quad core parts. Okay. In this, so again, the kind of segmentation between, if you want EDRAM for graphics or even general purpose computing, you have to make these other sacrifices versus uh, what you could do otherwise. There will be other Iris Pro parts launched in the later later this year, so there will be more than forty six SKUs eventually. But okay, so that was only another four of them. Yep, and then you go down to the fifteen watt parts. And this is where the bulk of it is. Uh, most of the laptops, you know, your Dell XPS thirteen, your MacBooks, all those are going to use fifteen watt parts or lower. Um, well, only the Airs. Yeah, the Airs will use the lower. Yeah, the MacBook Pros. Use. MacBook Pros all use fifteen watt parts. No, no. Although use the forty five watt parts. Yeah, they have Iris and Iris Pro in them. They use the forty five watt parts. Okay, well, I'll be interested to see what they do. Uh, for that, so the 15 watt parts, okay, you'll find in your generic kind of thin and lights, ultrabooks, yep, whatever. Your this is like the Core i7 6700, 6600U, 6500U. Yeah, you know you're used to the 4500U, the 5500U. This is okay. that uh, progression here. What's interesting here in this case is that for each of these parts, there is a corresponding one with the HD 520 graphics, and one with the Iris 540. Hmm. Is that Still not Iris Pro. It's not Iris Pro, but 64 megs of ED RAM. Okay. And twice the execution units of the 520. So the 520, uh, I'm sorry, the 520 and the 530 just differ by clock speed. The 540 and the 550 only differ by clock speed sure. as well. Um, so but that's pretty graphics. interesting. Okay. Compared to what we've been seeing for generations and generations right. with the GPUs on the Ultrabook parts, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Like they're going to have ED RAM capable versions of these 15 watt parts. And th- that's not really been a thing before. Maybe part of this. Big spread is because, especially like on the OEM side, like I guess there was not a lot of different choices for them to have different. You know, even if there were, even if there were, they all homogenized on one. Yeah. seemingly at a yeah, time. It was, right? it was like every, just, every Lenovo used the same processor. Right. It was usually just one. U. Right. It was just one processor, or maybe just like you know one processor uh, with a couple of different clock speeds to it. Right. Like right. a couple of different model, a couple of different SKUs, basically. Right. So this might give them a little more choice. It does. It and, does. And, and I'm, you know. I'm very curious like, to see what vendors choose to use just the base graphics, which vendors choose to use the Iris, and what the benefits there are. Yeah, yeah. Right? Not just for graphics, but I think we've proven that uh, using it just as an L4 cache, you could see some potentially interesting use cases uh, for that on the 15-watt part. So what if like, a specific vendor wanted this? I don't know. I, I, don't, think, I don't think a specific one. I would think like or, feedback from a lot of them maybe. Like Apple said, hey, we want the L4 cache. Give us the... Right. Give, they um, would have the power give to give do us that. The part. Yeah. 
And it may be possible that we only ever see these parts in an Apple machine, which mm-hmm. would piss a lot of people off, but yeah. it's not the first time it would happen. Uh, and then we'll end here on the mobile side with the 4.5-watt parts, which are the Core M processor, still Skylake architecture, um, still dual-core, hyper-threaded, but we're talking about base clocks of 1.2 gigahertz, and turbo clocks at 3.1. Which is really freaking high for a turbo clock. You're talking about a 1.9 gigahertz range <laughs> from base to turbo. Yeah. It's a huge amount. Now, obviously, uh, it, it, only, it only holds factors, that for a few seconds. Oh, though. yeah. If that, honestly. Yeah. right. In the form factors, you're going to find these machines. They're not going to run at 3.1 for very long at all. Fanless designs. Yeah. The, the idea is, you know, you launch Office. Right. Right. You want speed while Office is trying to launch. Right. You want you know. mouse responsiveness. You want touchscreen yeah. responsiveness. All that happens with the quick boost up to higher frequency. Also note, it has a 4.5-watt TDP, all of these, and they can be configured to 7 or 3.5 watts. Yep. So if, if Lenovo builds a machine that they want to put that in, but they build a little bit better cooling system in, they can bump up the clock speed so it's going to hover closer to 3.1 for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Or if they want to build a smaller one, they can take it on 3.5 and have it be closer to that 1.2 more often. Right. It gives them a little bit of, of flexibility. Also note the price. That Core M processor is $393, which is the same price as, as uh, the Core i7-6600U. Right? Hmm. The, the top-end 15-watt part is the same price, and it's almost the same price as the Core i7-6820HQ like, quad-core hyper-threaded 45-watt part. But you're really paying for the low power consumption yep. when it gets down to those yep. though cuz they're not obviously they're not as fast correct you know? you're paying for you're paying for power sipping yeah. so essentially we'll continue to see the premium laptops in the $1200 range yeah i mean no change no, no matter if you want a sort of mid-range gaming laptop a nice ultrabook or a nice fanless tablet yep. it'll be about $1200 yep I, I think your uh, uh, what's the terminology for kind of average selling prices is it ASPs? Did I say it? I think I just I think said so. it. Yeah. Like yeah. they they want they don't want that to drop. Intel doesn't want that to drop. They need their profit margins to stay high. Yep. All the vendors want it to maintain a level, and as long as they continue to innovate and in product designs, I think that's fair. Um, okay, <sighs> desktop SKUs. We've already talked about the sixty seven hundred and sixty six hundred K. Those are still things. Uh, now we have 35-watt parts on the desktop. Ooh. These are LGA. All these are LGA parts, right? So you could theoretically buy an H10. What is it? Wait, H- how, how many watts were the ones we already looked at? Huh? How many watts were the ones we already looked at? 91. Okay. Right, so this is extremely low for desktop part, 35 watts. You have the i7-6700T, which is – I kind of don't like the naming structure here because the 6700K – is a quad-core hyper-threaded part, but it has very different clock speeds. It has a 4 gigahertz base instead of a 2.8. Okay. And it has a 91-watt TDP instead of a 35-watt TDP. What does the T mean? Low power. What do you mean? You said... T is like low K. power. Yeah, okay. it's like T-series kind of thing. Yeah, no, no it stands for tuppence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so you got several, you got lots of those 35-watt parts all the way down to, this is interesting... Huh. Pentium 40, G40, uh, G4500T, G4400T, dual-core, two-thread, um, 3 gigahertz, 2.9 gigahertz, at 75 and $64. Wow. So pretty interesting stuff. And that's still uh, I know Sebastian's still Seba- still Skylake. Sebastian's yeah. really looking forward to testing all these processors out. I've ordered one of each. Uh, they're already on their way yeah. to you. All 46. Great. <laughs> uh, 65-watt parts going up a little bit. 
um, this is where the bulk of uh, systems will be built, I think. Right? You've got the 6700, which is not a T and not a K. Okay. Okay, this is a 65-watt part. Still the same price, 303 bucks, a little bit higher clock speeds. Uh, then you've got your Core i5, your Core i3s. Uh, they go down to 47 watts. And then you have three more Pentium parts here. The Pentium G4520, again, a very compelling-looking processor. Two cores, two threads, but 3.6 gigahertz clock speed at 47 watts for $86. That's, that's fine for a lot of games. I, I, once you kind of like once we figure out the whole dual core for gaming versus quad core, you know, four threads yeah. for gaming thing, yeah. um, that's why I said a lot of and not like it could all be very games. interesting. Yeah, but I mean even I mean look at down you, if you lose two hundred megahertz on that to it's go down to three point four, it's a sixty four dollar process. That's awesome, yeah. that's really aggressive, uh, and I think these are going to be. I think you'll see. I don't know how successful they'll be, but I think you'll see a lot of budget gamers start to try to use. That stuff, and then obviously we have the two ninety-one watt part hits here that we've already talked about. Again, three hundred thirty-nine dollars, topping out the desktop. <laughs> Excuse for that. So the the TDP difference between the sixty-seven hundred K and the sixty-seven hundred is kind of insane. Uh, right? Ninety-one to sixty-five. That's not usually how we see that. It's usually just the unlockedness. So the yeah. difference right, is like the, the forty-seven seventy K to the forty-seven seventy was. Like under megahertz slower and just not unlocked. Yep. Yeah. The uh, think of it more as the forty-seven ninety k Devil's Canyon type stuff because the base clock here is three point okay. four, and the base clock here is four. Yeah. So you're six hundred megahertz higher base clock, um, and chances are they're the the sixty seven hundred non Ks could probably go that speed a lot of them and they're just kind of bidding it again they're bidding for lower power is worth more but in this case like well if we've got some that require a little bit more power that's fine we've got a TDP setting for that yeah and it also allows them to overclock up so you know if you're not an overclocker the sixty seven hundred K is a locked part. Huh? It's a locked part. Right. That's what I'm saying. The 6700 is a locked part. Yeah. It could probably go higher. Ah, okay. Do you think Do you think those 65-watt parts might be a little bit more, um, like, they would tend to not stick to their turbo speed as long, maybe, because of temperature or something? I mean, they would have to to stay within that 65-watt thermal envelope. Right. It's that's possible. what I mean. Yeah. Like, like, they might, so they might not be just going turbo all the time Correct. if you were... Correct. It's that that's possible too, right? In the same way, we'll talk about the R nine nano later. It's kind of like maintaining clock speed in order to set this thermal yeah. this thermal level. So, um, so that's that's uh, that's Skylake. We don't have any reviews of any of this stuff, and uh, the system should be out in about a month, like the laptops. Yeah. Uh, still no word when actual processors will ship. Maybe never. Well, we got reviews of a couple of those. We have the sixty seven hundred K review. Okay, one one out of forty six. One out forty five to go. Forty five to go. Yep. Any thoughts on that, or can we can we please move on? I think we've beaten. Let's move on. Okay. Async shaders. I don't really know what to say to this. Um, I do have one thing to say. Okay, go, please. Then. This is what the world looks like when AMD is not successful or competitive. What do you mean? Oh, you mean you're talking about Skylake again? Yes. Okay. Oh. So you're, saying, you're saying you're well, saying Intel made all these SKUs to make up for AMD not having a bunch of processor SKUs. So uh, just like, well, we have to make up for the competition. What, yeah, I mean, what do you mean? You're talking about, like, the fact that prices aren't down, or what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, that one, they're, they're saturating the entire market with. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. yeah they're saturating every possible nook and cranny. Exactly. Of the and that. not only that, but how big of a jump have we seen in the past couple of years compared to, say, 2000 to 2005? Yeah. 
That's true. So, focus. you know, and, and part of that is, you know, process technology and, and, and limitations therein. But, uh, yeah, it's <clears> – we haven't seen a big increase in clock speeds. Certainly, we've, we've had increases in IPC, but – None to write home about. People who are running a twenty six hundred, what an i what i seven twenty six hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandy are bridge. still running it, and they're happy because it runs everything. It 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 mostly does. Yeah, I so ref- anyway. I refer you back to the initial Skylake review to see the advantages and disadvantages of that argument um, because there are there are some. Yeah, obviously, are. especially power. But yeah. Uh, so Scott wrote up an editorial for us about asynchronous shaders. Mm-hmm. Hot topic this week. Everybody's talking about asynchronous Everybody's shaders. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, the idea of an asynchronous shader is, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Basically, the idea is to fill the GPU pipeline as much as possible. And if there's ever a bubble in it, fill it with another workload, uh, specifically a shader that is asynchronous to the one that's currently running, allowing it to run kind of two contexts at the same time. Uh, improving or, or the overall throughput or more. or more, improving throughput through the GPU in its entirety. It's like command queuing for SSDs. Yeah, sort of like that, except you're looking at <clears throat> potential compute uh, workloads rather than just graphics, pixel shading, vertex shading, geometry shading. Right. And in some places, you get context switching when you have a graphics workload and you go to compute. And you have to have this context switch, and that takes up cycles. Well, and at least in AMD's um, implementation, you don't have that kind of decrease in performance due to context switching because you've got, you know, kind of the 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 one. I'm trying to think what the they they call it, um, but it's it's primarily the graphics pipeline, and then it's got like 32 async. Uh, slots oh, right. that can be filled or 64 depending sure. on how many and instead of having to go through because that was one of the big things in uh, previous CPUs is if you did context switching it would take just a lot of cycles kill your performance mm-hmm. and it's a pain in the ass so in this uh, AMD is, has done pretty well on the front end of their designs to handle asynchronous shaders really well so the the reason this came up is uh, with the release of Ashes of the Singularity, mm-hmm. uh, where AMD had this huge gains in DX12, it started to, to, to come out that, you know what, um, the developer of the Oxide engine, or the Nitrous engine from Oxide, basically said, you know, uh, it, you, the AMD sees a little bit more advantage because they're better at asynchronous shaders. We take advantage of a modest amount of asynchronous shading. Uh, and we tried to implement that on the NVIDIA hardware, and even though it said it was a supported feature of mm-hmm. DX12, uh, it was a mess from performance. Uh, the quote is, it was a mess for performance and conformance, right? Yeah. So it just didn't work. Yeah, NVIDIA handles it differently than AMD handles it. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, so then it became out, it's like, does, a- does NVIDIA even support that part of DX12? By the way, it is an optional portion of DX12. It's not a requirement for DX12. But they do support it. Apparently, they technically do support it. It yeah. just operates in a different in a different way, yeah. right? It just works differently. And and what I think is fair to look at this is the GCN architecture. Correct me again if I'm wrong, Josh. The GC, GCN architecture just seems to have been architected more specifically for uh, low cost to context switch, and that is an advantage they are taking hold of now in this particular use case. Yeah. 
Well, certainly, because uh, if you look at GCN architecture from the very beginning, they have a really good balance of compute and then graphics throughput. And if you look at each of those uh, GCN cores, they're really flexible in what they're able to do. They may not be as efficient as what NVIDIA is able to do with the Maxwell architecture, but they're a little bit more general. They have a little bit more throughput in this. And I think AMD was kind of making the long play here with GCN and then implementing uh, and introducing Mantle, uh, pushing that off to to the OpenGL guys to make Vulkan. Uh, they probably did a, all kinds of, of work with Microsoft and, and doing a lot of the legwork. So their design kind of fits in with some of these specific technology, uh, you know, technological advances a little bit better than what NVIDIA does, even though Maxwell is a really interesting and good architecture and certainly power efficient. It just doesn't seem as flexible, even though they have improved things uh, in there as compared to Kepler and Fermi before it. But uh, still, it's... uh, it is interesting to see how flexible AMD has been with GCN, and hopefully it'll work out for them because that whole twenty percent of graphics market share for add-in cards is—it's got to be stinging, right? Um, I, I would encourage everybody to go read the uh, short editorial that Scott wrote up. It kind of describes it. We don't get into – there's other stuff you can go research on if you want about – there's mm-hmm. forums talking about a benchmark that – now there's debate of whether or not the benchmark is even reliably uh, showing the performance of asynchronous shaders. Um, but it will be an interesting debate to have over the next couple of weeks as uh, we have meetings with uh, both Intel and AMD planned on a bunch of other subjects. And I'm thinking this might come up. Mm-hmm. In, a little bit in that, in and, that and one thing that you know, and, and I'll hurry up here because obviously sure. we've been running for forty-five minutes already. Yep, you've got to look at the applications that are going to be coming out now. DirectX twelve covers a large amount of technologies. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be lower CPU usage, uh, closer to the middle API, and there's what three or four different levels. Uh, there's eleven, eleven one, twelve. 12.1. And uh, not every application has to leverage the very top uh, levels of of the stages and the steps. Right. And so with the guys from Oxide, Mm -hmm. yeah, they have an application that has lots of little stuff on screen. And it does a lot of different things. And... They use their programming and they use the asynchronous shaders in there to further improve the experience of the user in that kind of environment. Now, say the guys who who developed the Unreal Engine, who do mostly you know first person shooters, uh, a couple of the genres, but not really the the real time simulations, which has hundreds, if not a thousand units on screen at any one time they don't really need to leverage asynchronous shaders. And so you're going to see throughout the next year, uh, people kind of go into the lowest common denominator. Certainly there are advantages to DirectX 12 as compared to DirectX 11, mm-hmm. and they're going to get a lot of that low-hanging fruit. And we're going to see advantages and increases in performance and more interesting uh, effects applied to the scenes on our screens. Um but I don't think in the next year we're going to see a huge amount of pressure put on 
the whole asynchronous shader. Certainly Oxide, they're going to be doing it. Uh, they've got a workaround for NVIDIA already. But that's not going to be the norm. I think people are going to slowly just, you know, developers are, are, are going to start embracing certain of the technologies in DirectX 12. But it's going to be a lot more gradual. And by the time some people come out with things that may be more heavy and asynchronous, then we're going to have what the Pascal architecture from NVIDIA, yeah. which more than likely will embrace those technologies a little bit closer. Agreed. Um, well, well, we'll touch more on this as uh, I kind of dive a little bit more into it. It was something that people pointed out to me several times in emails and through Twitter. So we're just I'm just trying to catch up a little bit from the last week or so. All right, before we get to our discussion about the Radeon R9 Nano, we want to take a quick break to thank the sponsor of today's PC Perspective podcast. That is Videoblocks.com. You know what we want you to do, guys? We want you to stop overpaying for all that stock media you're using. It's underwhelming, and I hate, hate underwhelming stock media. Videoblocks is an affordable subscription-based site that gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 HD video clips, After Effects templates, and motion backgrounds. On average, subscribers pay less than a dollar per download over the course of a year, and they offer the same content you would find on other more expensive stock sites. Videoblocks has a great variety of time-lapse, aerials, U.S. international locations, slow-mos, nature, uh, a whole lot of different stuff there. They continuously are adding new content to the library to keep it fresh. Everything is 100% royalty-free. Josh, you can use it in your home videos as well as your professional videos. Because nobody wants to see my family. Well, you know, if you you use stock footage family, it's just as good but better. Exactly. Right? I mean, that just makes sense. Uh, You have unrestricted usage rights for personal or commercial projects, and you get to keep what you download and maintain those rights forever. So uh, we we typically will find stuff. uh, Remember – what was it? What was the one we found a few weeks ago, Josh? That you just kind of randomly porcupine climbing. Yeah, porcupine climbing. That's right. And we were able to find stock footage of a porcupine walking up a hill. Last climbing. week we had cash slow motion falling onto an iPhone. Cash yes. money. Cash, cash money. money. And it wasn't rendered. It was real cash money. Oh, it was real, real cash, cash money. Oh, man, that's expensive. C-notes. That's expensive uh, B roll that yeah. you get for very low cost. As do, video. Do you think that they might have power boat docking? They might. Probably. We shall see. We'll, 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 okay. Maybe we'll find out. I don't know. Uh, for, our audience, for our audience members, Videoblocks is offering a free seven-day trial. Go to videoblocks.com slash promo slash PC per and sign up for your free trial today. That's videoblocks.com slash promo slash PC per. And we thank Videoblocks for their support of PC Perspective. Now, let's get into it. Not a review, but a preview mm-hmm. of the Radeon R9 Nano. This is a small video card. It is... Um, How small is it? It's uh, about six Is it inches. worth its weight in gold? No. No, mm. it's, pretty, it's a pretty heavy card. So we actually have one here. Uh, we got our testing sample in. Uh, no reviews up yet. We're, the, what we're going to talk about today is the preview or the re-announcement, as I called it in the story, <laughs> because they'd already announced this product. Uh, but they could announce it again. They kind of promised that it would be launched in August. Oh, right. And uh, I think end of August was kind of sneaking up on like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? So there's like, well, let's release some of the information. Mm. They released a, a pretty good uh, bit of information, in, uh, including specs here. So if we look at the R9 Nano, which is surprisingly, I guess not surprisingly, it was kind of already out. This is a full 
Fiji GPU. Mm-hmm. 4,096 GPU cores, stream processors, whatever you happen to call it, uh, rated at up to 1,000 megahertz, which we'll talk about that in a second. So you get your full 256 texture units, 64 ROPs, 4 gigs of uh, high bandwidth memory, running at only 500 megahertz, but a total of 512 gigabytes per second of available bandwidth. Uh, here's what's cool. The Fury X, mm-hmm. with the same GPU, mm-hmm. has a TDP of 275 watts. And this one has all the same stuff turned on? All the same stuff. Same numbers of everything? Same numbers of everything. Okay. 175 watts. Uh, same frequency? No. No. Okay. That's the, that's the thing, right? So uh, I got the specifications, and if you just see it in table format, you go, wow, that seems not only cool, but also literally impossible. That you could run uh, only 50 megahertz lower. Yeah. And drop 100 watts in your TDP. Uh, that's, that's not what's happening. Uh, okay. so, so, here, so here's what's going on. Let's go to the other specs. Also, this is $650. Same price as the Fury X. Why would you buy that over the Fury X? Well, you can put this in places the Fury X can't go. That's and trust true. me, Josh knows a lot of places that this could go that the Fury X true. could not go. Because have you ever tried inserting that fan and heat sink and reservoir all... No, nope. nope, I have not. It's, it's like so, a, it's like a dongle. You just let it hang out. So let me let's talk about the the. <laughs> so you get those depends subscriptions for too. Yeah. Uh, an Amazon dash button for that. Amazon dash button for that now depends. Just did you know that guys? I don't know. I I got hung up on the the mac and cheese one. So here's here's what's happening, right? So how do how do you get 100 watts TDP less? Uh-huh. Uh huh. For 50 megahertz of frequency less. The truth is you don't. Right. So what's the trick? The trick is the clock speed will vary, as they say, between somewhere between 800 and 1,000 megahertz. And it will find a spot in that clock speed and obviously a, uh, associated voltage to the sure. GPU sure. that allows it to maintain 175 watts of power draw. Okay. Right? So in some games, it may be 820 megahertz. In some games, it would be 950 megahertz. And the Fury X is what? 1,050. Okay. Right, static all the time. It says I mean, up to, but it pretty much always runs. I mean, it still isn't that bad, but like, still, I mean. So again, you know. talk about. Remember, we're going back to the desktop processors or like uh, the Skylake mobile parts. Why is that the same amount of money though? So You're here's, here's I don't I don't know, I don't. Cooler, so I haven't done not, I haven't done performance testing for it yet. So I, I can't answer any of those questions, and I can't do a full review. It is built very well. I will sure. say, just like the original Fury X. Um, so, they don't have any problem selling all they can make. One. Obviously. Okay. So, if that's the case, you price it as high as the market will allow, and you sell what you can. Okay. Two, uh, potentially, again, I haven't looked at the performance numbers, if they're close to the Fury, uh-huh. you're getting uh, almost the same performance at a lot lower TDP than even the Fury card. Right. Uh, in a package that's almost half the size. You have to need... The small package, though, like you have to have a tiny case, something like you have to have all be, kinds of small You have to be in a situation that you need something that small. So, in the same way that you pay $393 dollars for the top end Core M processor, sure, that only runs at four point five watts, and you're paying extra and is lower for performance. You're paying extra for efficiency and form factor. And that's what AMD thinks people will be willing to pay for with the R9 Nano, is efficiency and form factor. I just feel like it's not quite the same thing, though. 
I, I tend to agree. We'll see once we get uh, our testing done. But you're talking about desktop parts here. You're talking about yep. pretty much all cases nowadays have mounts, special special spots for coolers. Like sure. Separate so this is not meant like if you're there gonna, are a lot if, of mini ITX machines. I, I get I get if, that. If you're, you're going to build a machine in an ITX in an ATX case or a yeah. micro ATX case, yeah. don't buy this card. Right. Like I can tell you that already. Like if it will fit a Fury or a Fury X, yeah. buy the Fury or Fury. If you're doing a uh, home theater build and you want AMD, you're doing a home theater build. You're doing you, like a you, super small form factor. Just yeah, like that would be good for that. Really small form factor. Uh, you know. What did we What did we try to pull out before the Alienware X fifty one? Yeah, we don't know if it'll fit in it, but there's oh, an it, idea. It, it will fit in it. It will fit uh, in I'm it. Sure, I'm sure. Right. And so we're sure about this fully. It will fit. <laughs> it actually has a lot of room to spare. Right, and it, and it yeah. and it's 175 watts, so it's not going to like kill power draw on something like that. That's true. The idea is you can put this in places you can't put other things. Mm-hmm. As generic as that sounds, um, and the truth is, AMD needs to prove what those places are. I, if I would say chance. personal computer desktops. That's a good one. That's a good. Start. This could be the new 750 Ti. Think about it. it drag, it's drop it in any case. It's small. It doesn't take up that much power at 175 watts. Uh, I mean, it's it's higher than the 750 Ti. 750 Ti was like 75 watts, I think. Yeah, but 70, uh, 750 Ti ran off of the motherboard yeah, only. Correct. And this will require what, like a 500 watt power supply or a 400 watt power supply? Right. Obviously, I mean, we haven't tested it yet. So we don't know, but I'm just curious to know like how much more headroom you get out of that if you ran the fan. Like, so here's really what's interesting: they did or... say in this article, like if like overclocking this is a totally different thing. Like if you go into the, um, if for some reason you put this in a regular case that doesn't have thermal restrictions, you can sure. go into the control panel and like turn the power up to 275. Use, no, I don't think you go that high. I mean, it is a fairly small cooler, right? But say I want to add 20% to it or something like that or 50% to it or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. Well, I mean, because there's going right? to be one of the then the clock speed will be able to go up. Water blocks might come out for it that. It might, yeah. So the clock speed will go up, but at the expense of efficiency and at the expense of sound, right? The fan will have to spend, sure. spend louder. So they, they built a part, built a card that targets a specific yeah. shape, size, and thermal efficiency. But, but even if you could overclock... On that, and get a decent percentage. You know that the percentage you're going to get is never going to be that much, like five percent higher than like ten fifty. Because you're never going to go the, over like you're it's never going to get go that high. It's never yeah. going to go over the Fury and the Fury X, right? right? That, yeah. But maybe you get fifty. Maybe get up to nine fifty. Maybe regular, you maybe you stay there more. Regular. Maybe you stay there more often. Yeah. In more games and stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's at, at, as long as like as far as we know, AMD has built a part that Nvidia can't. Right, that's true. Right, the competition to this is the best Nvidia has to offer in this form factor is a GTX 970. Yep. Which this is going to be clearly faster than. Yes. Right. Uh, so, where, where, whereas people will pay, let's say, five hundred dollars more for twenty percent on a Titan mm-hmm. versus versus whatever the equivalent GeForce is. Yeah. Well, obviously that doesn't apply right now, but that, that's how they price Titans. If you can get twenty percent more performance out in your ITX box. This is the card. Like, I'm trying to remember the wording that um, Victor from AMD told me when we did our briefing on this. It was like, uh, you're you're going to sacrifice performance, some amount of performance, and you distribute that value to power efficiency and form factor. Yeah. And then you go the other way around, right, with other products, right? The Fury does a slightly different thing. The Fury X does a slightly different thing. And so in the same way we have Ultrabook processors, you're sacrificing certain things to get this form factor. Yep. Um, 
and it's never really been done before on kind of this aggressive of a level mm-hmm. on the on the desktop GPU side. So uh, on the high end desktop GPU side. Uh, so I'll be very curious to see how performance looks and then kind of what the response is. And again, like I said, chances are they're not making ten thousand of them. So they'll be able to sell. Don't do that. Don't break it before I test it. Uh, it's not going to do that either. Don't. Oh man. Uh, so so there's that. So that's the that's the nano preview. Um, there, AMD is going to have a live stream tomorrow apparently where they show off some mods that maybe use it right. So that would be interesting use case for it. Okay. Very unique designs uh, for that. We'll see how that works out. But next week is when we'll have our review of it, uh, and we will look at it both from like a generic performance standpoint, and then like okay. Small build. This is the best from AMD. Here's the best from NVIDIA. What do we get? What's, what's the temperatures, the thermals, the experience? Nothing uh, ever came of that really cool-looking thing that they showed off. No. That's, the that right? was like a... That was just a It was just like demo. a technology demo. It was a mirage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. How quick can we get through all this crap? The news? The news. Uh, probably like five minutes. My two are pretty quick. Probably like five minutes, yeah. you think? Yeah. Um, so we'll have another review on this coming up in the future. Logitech announced the release the G633 and G933 headsets. Uh, I went up to Camas, Washington, which is Camus? like 20. Yeah. Okay. C-A-M-A-S, which is where Logitech has their audio development facility. It used to be Ultimate Ears, who they bought. Oh. I somebody else. No, they bought Ultimate Ears. Okay. Um, uh, went up there. It's like 25 minutes outside of Portland. Saw their facilities. Very impressive stuff. Yeah. I uh, got to test the hardware out. Got to bring one of the, the got brought the wired set home. They sound excellent. Have really great yeah, features. I really like how they sound. Like these two guys are are bigger audio pricks than I am in terms of just especially especially. We have ears that work. The, we don't the, buy Beats and use them like you. The qualifier is for a PC headset. But, uh, but they don't want to do. But that. they sound great. See, that was like the thing when they went into that. this thing is we're tired of the mo- of the modifier. It's these still, sound pretty good gonna for gaming headsets, it's but they don't have happen. to. They, maybe even if these aren't the perfect the, the version box, of it, doesn't the box say "gaming headset" on it? I don't know. I mean, it's still a gaming headset, right? But like, would you, styling aside, <laughs> wear these to the airport? Like, instead of your styling aside, instead yes. of your yes, I Sennheisers would. or something like that, right? Yes, because you because you those could do are it. kind of big to be doing that. They're, they're a little big and bulky for that. I agree. Yeah. Um, but do your Sennheisers have RGB lighting? I wish. Loser. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't need it. Um, so there's, it, has, it has improved functionality in a lot of ways. Like it has a new um, uh, uh, what? Speaker. Driver. Driver. <laughs> thank you. Um, that, they, that they talked about the, how they engineered from plastic back to a, a weave fabric and, and how that changed the profile of what was being produced. And they were trying to break the, hey, you know what, we can do this in uh, a gaming headset mm-hmm. form factor as well as anybody else can. And I think they did a very, very, very good job. It sounds worlds better than um, like the G430 that we had. Yep. Uh, and what's the other one over here, the 930 yeah. that we have? I, well. I like that it came with a cord that you can use with your phone that has a mic Inline mic. Inline mic, or you can use the mic that's the boom mic. By the way, I the never headset. said the, I never said the name of this. This is the Artemis Spectrum G six thirty three and G nine thirty three. Yeah, they just seemed very flexible on like, you know, you can have you can have it connected to your phone while it's connected. Yeah, the wireless while one you can have connected to your computer. To three inputs. Yeah, the wired version you can connect to two inputs, yeah. your phone and your computer simultaneously at the same time. Yeah, and it will do the mixing. 
of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, so a lot of times when I'm gaming, I'll, like, have Skype open on mm-hmm. on my on my laptop, and then I'm trying to get game audio, and it's like, that is literally impossible with a regular pair of headphones. Yeah. a mixer and all of this complicated yep. crap. True. Just making it easy is... Great. It, it, it's really good stuff. Uh, we'll talk about more of it uh, once. There's still I'm still waiting for a driver to enable the DTS Headphone X technology, which is like their the DTS 7.1. That's stuff. supposed to be like October. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think September 20th is what I heard. Now I did. Oh, okay. a, I saw. I heard. Saw a demo of that. And we'll talk about it later. But I was blown away by the accuracy of the virtual 7.1 mm-hmm. stuff. But. Um, that will be coming a little bit down the line. Uh, these will sell for one forty nine for the wired and one ninety nine for the wireless, which seems high. But Does it? I mean, I, I think if you look at the world of gaming headsets, I think uh, for as flexible as all those inputs and stuff are, that probably makes it worth it. Plus, you can make the lights on them any color. That's yeah. It's not. Eh, it's awesome. It's well, if you, if you look at the headphones that I'm wearing now, and these are kind of you know audio audiophile. They're the great OSR two twenty five E's. They're two hundred and fifty bucks, if not Name higher. Dropper. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there's the you know the great L SR two twenty five E. Yeah, just look at them bleh, names. But dropping. with your Grados, can you match the RGB color of your keyboard, your mouse? I cannot. I mean, they are very focused on all in one piece of software. software. And that's why it's good for a gaming headset, and not so good for a pair. Of but but if you don't, but if uh, if you're just using with like your iPod or something like that. So they don't. They don't work. That, that's true. Then they don't light up. No. They don't light up. So the Bluetooth one might. Uh, we don't have a Bluetooth one. The wireless one. That's not Bluetooth. that would connect over. Doesn't connect over Bluetooth. Two point four gigahertz. It doesn't also connect as a third input to Bluetooth to your phone. No, they're not Bluetooth. Bluetooth has latency out the ass. But you're using it for your phone. Yeah, that's why no. it has a line in like yeah. a mic. Your like phone a goes in your pocket, and you put the cord, and yeah. you can walk around with okay, it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They they talked about Bluetooth being just a horrendous thing to have to. I deal didn't with. mean I didn't mean for gaming. I meant for just talking on the telephone. The other who wants a latency? Have you ever heard good sounding Bluetooth audio? It's it's no. it's a two DP. It's generic. It, it's, which that could do. Anyway, let's move on. Remember how we were going to do these quickly. Anyway, we'll no. come back to that later. Um, Sebastian, you wrote up a new story about an Acer Predator uh, Z thirty five and XB one G Sync gaming monitors. Announced that IFA. 2015. What are these about? I think this is the one that is being widely reported as 200 hertz. Although Acer, I think, said it can be overclocked up to 200 hertz. Really? A 2560 is, by 1080 up to 200 hertz. Right. 2560 hmm. by so 1080. It looks really nice. They had actually released a couple of different monitors. Hmm. One of them was curved. One of them is more of your standard. They had, they had one that was offered in a 27 and a 28 inch, and they were slightly different. But it's got that kind of aggressive yep. styling that we've seen with like the, the latest from Asus as well. Yep. Looks good. And the XB1 is their more conventional, flat, non-curved display. They have one that is uh, 4K, I believe. That's the 28-inch model. All right. And that's also IPS. The 4K hmm. and the uh, 27-inch 1440p are both, like, what is it, 144 hertz. Yeah, support NVIDIA, ULMB, and G-Sync, I assume, for both of these. I guess if they do ULMB, just so they do G-Sync. Yes. Yep, they are, the XB1s are both G-Sync-enabled monitors. And the 
the XB1 is going to start at $799. i am sure that's for, this, that's for the non-4K model. They didn't yeah. list the price on the 4K. And that big curved 21.9 G-Sync 200 hertz monitor is $1199. So not inexpensive at all. Nope. They're just trying to get into that you know, premium 21.9 G-Sync monitor market. 200. Wow, that's awesome. Sorry, I wasn't and paying I, attention. And I didn't put up a post about it. But just to add to our rundown here, I sent Alan <laughs> a link in HipChat a few minutes ago. Apparently, in among the other things that Asus released uh, was a new Swift that is an IPS panel, and it is a 34-inch curved design like this. Uh, okay. 34-inch curved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What resolution? It's 1440. Yeah. 34, 34 by, by 14. 14. At 100 hertz. 100? That's not bad. That's awesome. I yeah. still wish they it's would do... It's not just not bad. That's awesome. I still wish they would just do the regular aspect of You're old of the, school now. You're old news. Doesn't 25, matter. 60 by 14, Yeah, 40? it's f- f- not curved. T- t- uh, 16 by 9, boring. Just the model number yeah. is have. in the... I, I just don't get why they skipped that. Sebastian, I don't see that link in HipChat. Did you just send it to him specifically? No, it's in HipChat. It's... it's in the, oh, it I see. Yeah, yeah, I see. It's the PG34 8Q. If you Google it, it you'll see there was at least one website that had a hands-on with it, so there's a video out there you can watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would like that right now, actually. In addition to that, exciting new 165 hertz. I would like that right now. ROG PG279Q. Wait. I... Oh, wow. Which one's that? Is that's, that... That's 2560 by 1440 IPS, I think, at 165 At 165 hertz. hertz. The PG279Q. Yeah, PG, the other one. PG. It's at the bottom. Which they is snuck usually, it in. The PG is usually their professional series. Hmm. They snuck it in at the bottom yeah, of the... Swift of was the, a PG, wasn't it? It was a PG278Q? God, I don't know. Huh. The 165 hertz ROG PG279Q. There's a lot of stuff they announced that I didn't really uh, know about. That's unfortunate news. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of monitors to review. We got a lot of monitors here to review. Yeah. Uh... Did TechReport get some pictures? I don't know. I'm looking. Android Central anyway. had somebody there, and he had. Yep. Did it looks just stuff. like. It looks just like the other Swift. Mm-hmm. The original. They wouldn't change it. Uh, 165 hertz refresh. Is it IPS? No. I think it is IPS. I would have. I would hope it was I IPS. I think it is IPS. Thought the press release said IPS. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the press release said. Oh, it doesn't say on that one. No. Okay. Of course not. Why would it? All this means is uh, the monitor market continues to get busy. All this means is Alan's going to go broke. (laughs) That's all this means. If you bought a monitor six months ago, (laughs) just like like if you bought a router six months ago. Yeah, speaking of which, if you thought um, routers looked crazy before, look at this SOB. What the heck? It looks like some kind of a sacrificial altar. <laughs> yeah. Or a prop out of a Lord of the Rings. I will show you the meaning of pain. Somebody somebody <laughs> crossed Stonehenge with, I don't know. Sebastian, what is this? The RT-8? Did you ever watch Hellraiser? Yes. That, that, that could be in yeah, that Yeah, it film. is. Yeah. So why do I need eight antennas, Sebastian, exactly? For awesomeness. All right, and? And because it has a ridiculous amount of radios in it. To make use of those eight dual band antennas, it's got, I think, four separate radios. I think it's three. 
Um, there's a pair of there's 5.8. two 5 gigahertz and one 2.4 gigahertz, yeah. I believe. Yeah, tri-band wireless. Oh, okay. Um, with a combined performance of up to 5.3 gigabits. Now, if I get four more gigabit connections to the office, <laughs> I can actually test the throughput of the SOC, which I think is what's going to be more uh, telling yeah. in that regard. Yeah, suppose it's supposed to push over two gigabits on each of the five gigahertz antennas. Plus another gigahertz from the Tri-Brand 2.4. Just think how much spectrum you, or a gigabit, you can I'm jam sorry. with this thing. <laughs> Basically all of it. Yeah. So buy one of these before your neighbor so you can maintain internet. Yeah, I was going to say, everybody right. on your block is going to hate you. Maintain wireless superiority of your neighbor. Who in the hell is this Penstar Sis? And mount it, and mount it on your roof. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, no pricing on this. My guess is $900. It has kind of that look, doesn't it? You thought $300 routers were expensive. Jeez. What if we double the antennas on it? <laughs> is the power button pay? break on this one? You know what's a better question? Is what would you pay for a gaming laptop that was water-cooled? You can't do that. You can't, you can't put a price on that. You, you're right. You can't. But you can water-cool a gaming laptop. Everybody, I'd like to introduce you to the Asus GX700 series of laptops. Uh, yes. Hey, that thing on the back? It's not a Tuma. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so before upgrading my PC involved plumbing, you're telling me like undocking your laptop is going to involve plumbing. So they don't really give a whole lot of details about this. This is a preview of it. It's an all new flagship gaming laptop, 4K, 17 inch screen, water cooling system with pump radiator, mobile K series CPU, the one K series part we talked about before, mm-hmm. and an unnamed GeForce GTX mobile graphics solution. Um, that's pretty much all the details they give you, but you have to assume it's a laptop is going to be able to disconnect from it, right? So we're talking about quick disconnects of some kind on the back of the machine. Yeah, I saw some brief video that someone had from IFA. Yeah. And they're, uh, they're like quick disconnect barbs, well, receptacles, I guess, on the back. Yep. And, and there's like a two-stage handle that you lift up on to undock it and dock it. So you make sure it's completely sealed, docked or undocked. Yeah. It makes sense. The idea of it's actually kind of interesting, right? So um, I imagine when it's when it's not docked and it's just a normal laptop, you have fans inside that kind of keep things cool and uh, all that works just fine. Um, otherwise, you have it docked in this thing and it's got the K-series CPU in it, so it's going to overclock the processor. Uh, I hope it overclocks the GPU when it does it as well. That's something that I think people have been pushing NVIDIA to do is re-enable that uh, functionality and option for people. Um, I have no idea how much it's going to cost. It's going to be insanely expensive. This kind of uh, falls in the same category as the uh, MSI GT80 Titan with like the GT72 Titan, I think. No, I think it was GT80 with the mechanical keyboard, like the true mechanical (laughs) keyboard. We're like, holy crap, that's an awesome idea. I don't know how useful that is. Should merge the two of them. Right. So this is is another direction, right? Let's push water cooling and overclocking into the the mobile form factor. I, I have no idea if it's useful. Um, I guess you always have water trapped in it. Well, because it's not vacuuming it right. out when you yeah. disconnect it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be in there. And uh, Alan said something Can about you, you take know this through the TSA. Quick disconnects. <laughs> usually, you lose a little bit of water. Yeah, you lose a little bit of water every time you quick disconnect. So, the, the, I mean, obviously, the reservoir is not in the machine; it's in that external thing. So yeah. you go fill it up. Um, <laughs> but it's pretty nuts that that's kind yes. of even so even a thing. Several posts on the Twitters are pointing to that PG279Q being IPS. Okay. As well as 165 hertz. 
It's a lot of hertz. Uh, 200 hertz and 165 hertz displays are news to me, so I'll take it. Sweet. Asus introduces uh, the ROG six uh, ROG G seven fifty two notebook with four K and Skylake. Uh, what's interesting on this one, Sebastian? It's kind of their general refresh. They're finally offering a four K display on one of these gaming laptops. Most of the, almost all of them have been ten eighty p to this point. Um, there's been some comments that maybe the nine eighty M isn't going to be enough to push gaming at acceptable levels at a four K display. Uh, from my experience with the MSI gaming laptop that I had for review, I was completely overpowered at 1080p. 1440 would have made a lot more sense, but 4K probably would be pushing it quite a bit. But there is that unnamed new uh, GPU coming out, which there are some rumors out there pointing to like this, you know, possible 990M. It's a lot more powerful, mm-hmm. but it. it Basically, is the Skylake refresh? You've you've got DDR4 memory. You've got obviously the option of a 4K display, and that's pretty much it. I mean, most of the other options are pretty much on par with the existing uh, ROG laptops that are on the market now. Yeah, Thunderbolt the three s- slash USB three point one. Oh, I didn't talk about that. That is nice, and it's got the new color scheme. They're copper. I don't remember what they call it. They've gone sort of uh, they don't just call it orange, agnostic I guess. with their coloring now. It's not red. It's not green. It's, it's yeah, isn't there a new high-end video card has that same pewter orange yes. motif? Yep. Mm-hmm. The new uh, Matrix Platinum 980 Ti has the same color on the shroud for the fans. Gotcha. So it's just kind of just a basic refresh. I think that the water-cooled notebook concept was a lot more interesting, but the trickle-down from that into the mainstream, the 4K display, the Skylake processors. I, I think it makes a lot more sense for this design to be the standalone mainstream versus that water-cooled notebook concept, which uses the same chassis, the same notebook size, which if you have external cooling, to me it should be more of a thin, light notebook that you can then turn into a gaming machine when you get home. Or water-cooled. Right. If you have external cooling, why not also have an external GPU? I mean, we saw you've you've obviously tested a system like that. I'm sure this thing is going to cost the earth anyway. Speaking of that <laughs> water cooled notebook again. But, yep. Sounds good. G seven fifty two was G seven fifty one was the ones yeah. we had. These are all G sync displays, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, so the issue of the nine eighty M not being able to drive four K G sync will help in that. That's true. Yeah, which will be nice. Yeah, when you're running at low frame rates, the G-Sync display will 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 help with that severely. Not the right adjective, but moving on. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of G-Sync, speaking of, and maybe not the best implementations thereof, uh, Dell apparently uh, announced the S2716DG, which is a 27 inch G-Sync display that is TN. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Sebastian? It is TN, and it is quite expensive. 25 by 14, 144 hertz refresh, listing it at $799. They're smoking crack. I mean, they're not but really. Everything about this, this announcement initially G-Sync. was a little bit off because they initially, and I had boasted it as G-Sync 2 because that's right. how it was listed. And it's not G-Sync 2. 
and then I was looking at it, and it's an, a TN panel, not IPS, and it's still seven ninety nine. So I don't know if this is going to be in their ultra sharp range. It's not a professional quality right. display, yeah. obviously. Yeah. It's TN. So I'm not like, really sure what's going on with like this. Swifts, which are the same, mm-hmm. are going for six fifty now. Yep, but what did they launch at? They launched at seven. They launched at seven ninety nine, but that was. A long time ago, you can't just launch another one well, now. They can. When I mean, they could. Well, they'll they certainly try. It's not going to sell. Probably not. I mean, the Dell customer tend Dell sells to a lot of other people other than us. Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if this comes out and it's lower price than all that, or uh, it has some other feature maybe that we don't know about it yet. Does have additional inputs? I think they said. Yeah, it's got the DP one point two HDMI one point four. Uh, and four USB 3.0 ports. Um, so it's still possible that maybe this is like, it is the new v- of a first update to, to G-Sync that supports over HDMI. I don't think that'll be the case, but maybe. Yeah. Um, but yes, as if it ships like this, it's not a recommended product. No, it's not. Right? Because there's other options that are going to be just as good a quality, probably for lower price, probably, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it comes out. So It'll have one of those... Like market value seven ninety nine, and the actual price would be like six forty. Maybe, yeah. Because I mean, if you look on Amazon, the PG two seven eight Q is still listed seven ninety nine with a hundred twenty nine dollar discount from Amazon to make it six sixty nine. So, oh, I mean, interesting. Uh, this is interesting. A a Indiegogo startup Kickstarter type project for a case called the Chronolab C one um, that has an interesting solution to the idea of mounting a computer and a monitor kind of all in one thing. So if you look at this shot, it doesn't look like anything in particular. Um, you just kind of see a rendering of what a case might look like. This is the image that I think really kind of tells you what you're looking at, right? So this is um, a case that mounts to a pedestal that has a visa mount on oh. it on the other side. Okay. So you mount your monitor to it, mm-hmm. and then you mount the case onto it and with all the components onto it. Now, the idea is you get all this in one thing. It's on this nice, easy footprint. Yeah. Um, uh, they don't, I don't know if they talked about the detail about how big of a monitor it can support. Uh, they are talking about nice touches like having a short VGA HDMI or in branching, branching power cable so that like one cable is all that comes out of it. You don't see the cable clutter between the monitor and the, and the PC. Yeah. Uh, rotated motherboard points the I.O. ports downwards for tidier cable so like it comes out the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, which could be problematic for some designs because that's usually where air ventilates. It's down the bottom. Yeah, that's right? true. So we'll have to see about that. Hmm. Uh, and then up top it has a handy carry handle, uh, which I guess isn't really shown here, but it will have one. So you kind of pick it up and take it with you. That'll be pretty heavy. Perfect with your for mon- LAN parties. Yeah, yeah it could would be, be good for LANs. Yeah. How do you mount your monitor to this? Visa. No, but like <laughs> physically. So my guess is that there's a quick connect to yeah, one of those okay. machine, one of those things. Yeah, Either yeah. that's you, what I was thinking. You you slide it down onto it after you have a Visa clip on, yeah. you know, mounted to it or something like that. Yeah, clearly you can't do both <laughs> of those. You can't, you can't get a screwdriver through, through both sides. Yeah. Um, really long screws. Yeah. So so there, there's something to that. Obviously, I'm sure that's something they they figured out. Uh, a very small footprint on it. Uh, they are running an Indiegogo campaign. It's two pretty young guys, uh, but out of i think ireland yeah they're doing it uh and it it looks pretty nice like these are just renderings obviously they're trying to get the money to to build their prototypes and and get their production samples up there um uh i would like to try this out i don't know how well it will turn out 
Right. <clears throat> there could be issues. Some people talk about, hey, you know, with all that <clears throat> right behind your monitor, you worry about noise. Every sound that the computer makes is now right front and center. That is true. Um, the but issue being blocked by a monitor. But it's going to bounce off that wall and come back. Basically, it's like you're used to having a case underneath your desk, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit away. This is not doing that. Right? It's the complete opposite. Um, so they seem to be doing well. They're $1,000 of their $2,000 goal in the last three days. So I, I hope they make it. What was the other case that we saw that was an Indiegogo project, Sebastian? The, in- the N-Case M1. Which was expensive, had some issues, but was overall a very good design. Very The unique. greatest mini ITX case ever made. There you go. And Sebastian touches more cases than any man I've ever met. Yep. In mostly appropriate He ways. builds walls out of them. That's true. It got, it got dangerously inappropriate with the M1, I have to admit. <laughs> uh, let's talk That's to- why they had to send it away. I understand. Yeah, it's safer for everybody. Uh, let's talk very quickly about Western Digital updating uh, their MyCloud OS 3 for kind of their existing devices. Yep, and they updated their MyCloud Mirror okay. as well, so they refreshed it. Okay. Uh, basically, just put a faster CPU in it. It's pretty much going to do the same thing. It's still two drives and a mirror. But the the big deal with all of the MyCloud stuff is there is how you connect to the data that's on the MyCloud, right? So you got that thing at your house, put on your network, and then the idea is that there's apps you can install on your PC. There's actually uh, updated in this OS 3 version is there's it works a lot more like Dropbox. In other words, the MyCloud acts like what Dropbox would be, like what the Dropbox servers would be. And instead, you have this client that installs on all of your desktops and it just syncs across all of your machines just using the the you know, the MyCloud device right. as as the hub, right? Um, so that's a thing that they're kind of rolling out. Um they're updating their mobile apps, Android and iOS, so that you can just kind of export all of the pictures from your, uh, you know, from your, uh, can't help me out Phone? Here. Camera roll? From your camera roll, yeah. Um, so if you're one of those people that never wants to hook their phone up to a PC ever and offload anything ever, mm-hmm. um, you can just kind of dump all of your pictures over to your MyCloud that way, and now it's on, you know, now it's on a device that's at your house backed up. Um and the device itself is kind of a backup because it's a mirrored device. There's two hard drives in there. Right. The default, the, the new model is going to come with a default set to mirror, not to stripe. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the last feature they're adding, which I think is probably the coolest, is uh, there's a thing called MyCloud Albums. So you're going to have some event, and it's like an event where you would normally want to collect pictures that other people took after. Like a podcast. Uh, no. No? No. Uh, but like a wedding or you go to a concert or stuff like that. Wedding is the big one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the cost of one of these things, like the convenience of just being able to, you know, put all of your stuff, have, have everybody else that took pictures, mm-hmm. go to a link that you send them with their browser on their device or with the MyCloud app, if they have that installed, either way it works, or even on their desktop if they go to the link. And you can basically just like drag the pictures over. Like, what do you want to add to this album? And you just either choose the media on your phone or you drag it over in, in the thing on cool. your desktop. And they and you get... The, the the bigger key there is you're getting the originals, right? It's like, not uploading... It's not it's not resizing. It's not doing... Versions. Yeah, because, like, you know, someone, hey, could you send me those pictures over text or something? And your phone resizes them and you lose quality and I stuff like that. that, right? I mean, but iPhones it, do that by it, default, right? It, on yeah. email, they do that too, right? Yeah. Even over an iPhone. Um so this way, it's just you know you're getting like 
the the original files like as close to the you know original size of everything as you can and you're not losing stuff or recompressing stuff so that's cool just the idea of just being able to blast out a link and hey everybody let me have your pictures yeah and then they just show up there right it's pretty cool mm-hmm. um so it's it's uh end of the month ish is when all this stuff is rolling so if out. you already have one of these devices this is an update you'll get it, you'll get that update on uh the 21st of september okay um, that's that's cool. when they're going to roll out the update for. And yes, if you have the the first gen version of the MyCloud Mirror or any of the MyCloud devices, from my understanding, um, then this update will you know be pushed out there, and you'll be able to have mm-hmm. the extra functionality. Pretty cool. What else on the storage side? Seagate. Yep, uh, I've heard of them. So um, a story a while ago was that they had an archive drive. They used that shingled magnetic recording. and they, Shingles with, are bad. With all those tricks, they could get up to 8 terabytes. And it was like, wow, we're doing 8 terabytes. But it wasn't really randomly writable, like a regular hard drive. Right. Because shingled Correct. stuff, you have, Correct, to write, I mean. you have to write as if it's like a DVD, really, instead of, uh, you know. Anyway. Uh, so now they have enterprise-grade NAS and, like, just array hard drives. They're meant to be put into arrays because it's probably going to be, like, a business who wants a whole crap load of storage. They're going to be the first to want 8 sure. terabytes per device. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that's where Seagate is coming into the market. And just on the enterprise side, they're, you know, their regular NAS hard drive, not the enterprise model, the kind just for normal people at, at their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that model is still limited to 4 terabytes. Boo. Um there's this thing called a kinetic hard drive, which they're introducing. It's going to be 8 terabytes, but not yet. Um, but it is coming. And that's that. It's kind of a weird thing where they're all connected over Ethernet. Uh, so the idea that's is. That's not a hard drive. It's a hard drive. Is there just an Ethernet jack on the back of the hard drive? Yes. That would blow my mind <laughs> yeah you have to use there's some kind of front it's actually end. a SATA to ethernet adapter that's about <laughs> oh, that no. big the, the whole idea is that you're getting rid of raid cards okay. and having to have the a true, system to have the them all connected network, right? right like you're really kind of limited by how many ports you have on whatever the device is whereas mm-hmm. if you had a hard drive like this the kinetic series the limit is how big is your switch Right. Ooh, yeah. If we're talking about enterprise again, do you need another piece of hardware or is it a piece of software that it's, it's software? It would end up Whoa. talking to it over the network, and it Does basically it use PoE. I don't know. I don't know that much detail on it. But does it mount with Samba? It's it's <laughs> yeah. that'd be awesome. <laughs> no, it does not. Actually, I can tell you that much. It does not yeah. work like that. Mm. It's like this is the raw drive Good. that you're you know writing to, reading from. Intriguing. It just has to go through some layer of software. I would imagine it, the array could probably be mounted as Samba, but like you would have to have a server that's speaking to all these drives over Ethernet. I mean, this diagram then, is like the typical, it goes into the cloud. Well, but, the it's not a, but it's not a cloud. It's just, it's just an Ethernet network instead. So the storage right. applications, not not storage applications, but the operating system or some piece of software has to know how to manage all the different hard yes. drives that are attached network. Yes. It's JBOD over a network. Pretty much. Oh, God. I mean, that could be cool, I guess. The software would have to handle the redundancy or whatever you want out of that. We're talking about, right? like, totally changing the infrastructure of a server. It, re- it really is. Yeah. Like, no, I don't need one 10 giggy port for all these hard drives. I need one port for every hard drive. Yeah. But you'd only need, like, gigabit. You need gigabit, 100 megs a second or so yeah. for each drive. I mean, that's going to increase latency. Uh, 
Yes. Like your seek times have to go up. I, I think milliseconds. I, I think this is really meant okay, for like maybe not thirty. But yeah, this is. I think this is more meant for like for the case of knocked my nano. Over. Oh, sorry. You're gonna do uh, that now. It's not gonna work. Um, I think it's meant for really. You have a huge archive. I do. Thank you. Right. Just imagine you do. Oh yes. And you can't physically connect that many of those drives to one system. Like there's just limits of ports on RAID cards and mm-hmm. whatnot. You can only hook up so many. So uh, yeah, this, I agree. Again, not a consumer-facing right? application, probably, but no, yeah. not really. Yeah, but but something something that would be more real time of a connection than what you would have like those archive drives being used for mm-hmm. something where you want to be able to randomly write stuff, but maybe not necessarily super fast. You know, just it's possible. Just have racks and racks full of hard drives with Ethernet backplanes and no servers in them. That's yeah, how basically many hard what it would you could fit into it, seventy-two years. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's you can have a lot of storage. In, in something like that. And adding more is, like, that's the real key. Yeah, just take it out. And no, adding more is you're just adding, like, as, as long as you're, like, if you had a, a thing with the switch built into yeah. the rack, into the actual chassis, mm-hmm. right? You're only adding, like, one 10 gig E <laughs> or a pair of 10 gig E's to your switch, the main switch well, in, the, in, the ra- pro- in the rack, right? Pro- probably fiber, right? Or fiber. It could fiber be, it could be whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. But, like, huh. Yeah, think about that, right? So it's it's the it's the adding. That's pretty. It's cool. much easier. Whereas if you wanted to add, if you wanted to double the number of drives in any other kind of system, you have to basically rebuild the system. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, it's got to be something like. Do we have like special cables that aren't just normal Ethernet cables? Like something that's. No, it's pretty much just Ethernet cables. Man, it just seems so clunky. Like, <laughs> I mean, they probably they, this this is like a standard that they're trying to get to catch yeah, on yeah so i'd imagine that there is like a form of a hot swap connector that right. just has the ethernet yeah. built in yeah um you know yeah. so that you can make a chassis that just has like hot swap this many bays and you hmm. know but just think about the wiring of that compared to the wiring of some, that has to have a raid card and like yes you know back plane for as long for as the SAS. software works sure yeah all right let's get into our hardware software picks of the week everybody uh today i pick skiva also, I want to point out the comments about the nano card falling. Did, did, you, catch, did says, you catch that? What is that? Uh, that they witnessed the murder of a graphics card live on screen. It's like oh, Linus no. dropping his Fury X, and then it didn't work. <laughs> well, this is gonna. This, this is, is a nice soft neoprene mat. We haven't tested it yet, so it could have been DOA. That's and true. Now you just we'll drop. never know mm. on camera. Well, I mean, we will know, but <laughs> yeah, uh, so this and is. Soon. What's that? We'll know and soon. We will know very soon. Probably tomorrow morning. This is the Skiva Power Dock. No, I take that back. Skiva Stand Charger. It is a PowerFlow 7 USB port, fastest charging stand charger with intelligent detection. Okay. Uh, so this is exactly what that diagram says it is. Say you have a ton of tablets. Maybe you have several tablets. You have a couple of phones. Um, maybe you want to set your iPhone in there like that. And then you want to set works. my phone in here like this as well and you, you know you've got a family and you've got a couple phones you've got some tablets this is an easy way to set these things up okay right they're yeah. there yeah. uh and it's a usb charger so it is uh one input right and then 2.4 amps per port output and for it has all ports? for all of them for all seven um the power brick is rated at like 40 something watts so what's 2.4 times seven is less than that by my math. I don't think it... Times five. Times seven. Times five, times seven. Yeah, right. Okay, right. okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, 
So it's the, the AC adapter has more than enough juice to supply 2.4 across all of it. Sweet. Uh, it negotiates, obviously, if it can do it. It's got a power button up here, so you can turn it on and off if you want, which yeah, is kind yeah. of nice. You don't really get that. This is power only, no data. Right, there's no uh, like USB back to the PC. And I think you could, if you had that like in a cubby or on top of something at your house, you could probably have the ports all facing out the back. The cord just kind of like draping yes. over. So they to also the front. this company also sells. I'll go ahead and open it here um, because I think it. Well, maybe I won't. Yes, I guess. Well, too late now. Um, they sell this little accessory for these. And you can use use these for anything, I guess. Technically, this is called the USB Link Duo Short. Um, and it is essentially just a power cable meant to be used for phones in this application. Oh. So you get this really tiny USB cable that That's you really plug funny. into, uh, like right here. What's the little loop on it for? It has both Thunder, what is it called? Lightning. Lightning, not yeah, Thunderbolt. That's lightning. Uh, lightning and then micro USB. Oh. Right, so if I have two hands, I can do this. So you can see. Just basically, so it's universal. Since there's no data, it's just power. It can do that uh, adapting relatively yeah. easily. That's cool. So you put that on here. You have uh, your phone sitting like this. Yeah, and you plug that in. You plug it in. And, and then, then, like you're it. saying, you kind of have this face away so that, you know, you just... Well, kinda... if, it, if the cord's that short, you could have it facing yeah. out towards Either way. you. Like... Um, so that's, that's kind of the idea of how that works. I think really what makes this work is the short cables. Yeah. Right, you leave these short cables kind of permanently attached. If you have friends over, this happens to me all the time. I've got family in for Thanksgiving, and but, everybody's phone is about to die. But how much do they charge for the cables? The cables are not super cheap. I don't think. I don't think they're cheap enough. This whole device itself is sixty-five bucks. Yeah, it's right. it's it's okay. It's not uh, super cheap. I mean, if you think that it, it's just power, no data. Yeah, I'll give them sixty-five bucks for that yeah. right um the, but cables, if the cables are like 20 bucks a pop it's just gonna i have a quick. feeling they're pretty expensive i'm trying to remember what it is now uh as i scroll through here uh i'll find it after we after we move on but um and it does add up since you're buying seven potential right now you don't have to have those cables you can use That's, normal cables yeah but it does kind of i think it takes away from takes it. away kind of defeats a little bit of the purpose of uh of what you're getting there they're 10 bucks Ten bucks a cable. Then, that's okay, again. That's that's, that's that, actually not bad. It's, it's still just, too expensive. It's for that it, short it, of a cable, it's just but it's still a super convenient thing to have. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're like a business or a school that uses iPads or tablets or whatever, like this oh, that's thing is nothing. Awesome. Yeah, that's nothing. Like, right. like, even even you, buying seven cables, that's still you nothing. Get, you got a classroom full you, of iPads. You buy three yeah. of these, and you have all the iPads stocked in one place. It's all nice and neat, and you have short cables. It's like a perfect solution. Yeah. It's a little and, and pricey, I, for me, like we have multiple USB charging things throughout here. The key is having these cables that are permanently attached to the device. Yeah. Not permanently, but like they're supposed to permanently be there. You wouldn't want to use that. Otherwise, you lose it. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to take this with me on a trip because I I might need it or something like that. And then it never finds its way back to the office or or it gets damaged or something like that. Um, So I I really like that. uh, And I'm looking forward to kind of integrating it here with our tablet phone systems as well. Again, that is the uh, Skiva, S-K-I-V-A, PowerFlow 7 stand charger with intelligent detection. And again, it is uh, 65 bucks as well. Who's next? Dell products. Josh. Uh, fine. So, you know, I've been messing around with uh, a bunch of enterprise stuff lately, and this is the latest thing that I've found. It is kind of a VPN combobulator thingy, my Bob, which uh, actually runs under ESXi. It's a VM. It's an appliance. Uh, 
licensing is not horrific, especially when you're talking about enterprise. Very easy to set up. It's fast. So many cores out there on these latest servers, which, uh, you know, you're virtualizing. Uh, it's, you know, small. It's like uh, takes up 220 megs of space on your uh, hypervisor and uh, very low CPU usage. Again, it's really flexible. And for what, I think uh, 15 VPN licenses, so 15 people can uh, can be connected at it once. I think it's like a thousand bucks. It's not bad. And uh, hmm. again, it's easy to set up. It's pretty secure. We haven't found any problems with it. It's a uh, it's a nice nice product if if you're in the mood for something like that for oh, the place I? you work at. Oh, am I? Are you? Oh, am I? No, I'm not really. Okay. Alan? So, uh, you know, all these browsers have tabs and stuff, right? This is a revelation. Wait, yeah. no, I use IE6. Oh, darn. Okay. Well, not supported. By, like, IE7 or 8, you'll have tabs. Yeah, so um, so all these tabbers, all these tabbers, all these browsers and stuff have tabs, and uh, all know, these Windows, tabbers Explorer, Windows Explorer doesn't. So if you do a lot of file management, manipulation, stuff like that on your computer, you end up with like six, seven, eight Windows Explorer windows open, mm-hmm. which is just kind of cumbersome. Yeah. It'd be nice if you could just have tabs on that, right? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't Too it? bad something like that doesn't exist. Anyway, um, moving on to Sabat. No, it does. Uh, so actually, I think I, I dabbled with this a little bit <laughs> when in, in with like Windows XP years and years ago. Oh, and, then like, and then like Vista and 7 were out. And like it didn't work with seven, so I just kind of like just fell off the radar. And mm-hmm. apparently, this has been just been continuing to go. Like the last latest update is like five days ago. Okay. So uh, it's called QT tab uh, QT tab bar. QT tab bar. QT tab bar. Yeah. Uh, and it just it it doesn't. It's not its own program. It just adds a couple of toolbars. Does it make to all Windows my text Explorer. Japanese? No. Oh, okay. Um, but you install it. And you initially don't even think anything happened after you reboot because you have to reboot for the thing oh, to apply. Oh, uh, really? And you re- initially you don't think anything happened until you right click on the top section of Explorer and then you can turn on other like toolbars. Hmm. One of which is the tabs. Another one of which is like buttons that go along with the tabs to like you know just do other manipulations with them, just like you would with anything else that had tabs. Wow, um, such tabs. And and the thing, the thing I'm most impressed with on this that the screenshots don't show the best is that actually wait they might one of these might show some of it um no not really uh so when you have the tab when you have like a few tabs of something open Mm -hmm. you can unlike the left portion of each tab you can left click not the center of it but like the left portion there's a little shadowy area you left click on it sounds intuitive so far you left click on it it does a drop down that shows you everything underneath so if there were folders and files underneath it it would do like a pop-up okay and you could like browse down even further but if you right click on the left section of one of those tabs it actually goes further up the tree as well like the the the, t- the pop-up shows up above instead of so below they have to see to understand but okay you just you can navigate either way you're not even looking at that the contents of that tab hmm. and you can like kind of see oh i wanted to see what the properties of that drive was that the folder was in right you would right click on it the drive letter would be above 
and then you could right click okay. on that. Right. So just simple little nuance kind of things that are in there that just make it really, really efficient once you've figured them out, once you've figured the tricks out. Um, and, you know, and you can like drag and drop stuff from like the folder you're in. You can drag some files over to another tab. The same, it works, you know, the copies move. Thing How many works times the does the way. application tell the developer all my file structure? It doesn't do any of that stuff. Huh. All right. It's simple. It's like donation only where. You sure it's not Russiaware? That's what they're saying in the chat. The chat thinks it's Russiaware. No, I don't think so. There's an open source branch of it if are you're they, if you're paranoid. It's on SourceForge, so you can no, like right. go look through the source if you're yeah. that worried. If it's calling back to Soviet Russia where your tabs browse you. Damn it, I couldn't say it. <laughs> I was swallowing. Uh, anyway, all right, Sebastian, what do you got for us? I have the new Asus. Uh, every year they do, oh, every new chipset they do one of these overbuilt gaming motherboards in a micro ATX size. This is the Maximus 8. They're up to 8 now. Gene. But I think it's how it's pronounced. Yep. But this, this uh, basically everything you'd ever want for Skylake in a smaller size. It's got uh, the most premium audio I've ever heard of on a motherboard. Hmm. It's an ESS Sabre reference quality DAC. It's got Nichicon capacitors and a very high... Uh, headphone output it's you know you've got your your dual gpu capable since you're not on mini itx it's it's going to fit in a lot of these smaller towers that you just can't fit an atx board into there's plenty of really good cases out there that are micro atx or mini itx only right and this still gives you the option of a full scale gaming build yeah they're not sacrificing features on this at all are they no and I, i really like the colors too like the last few years it's been like this red uh, red mostly and some black and now it's it's this sort of slate gray with some hmm. red accents. Very, yeah. very nice looking board too. I approve. Oh, that's a nice touch. Look at the bottom PCIe slot. Yeah, It has a notch cut out so it can fit cards longer than by four in there. Thank goodness. Not oh, down here do you that. mean? Yeah. yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. probably the one that connects the chipset that you can do storage raid on. Right. So yeah. that's a really nice touch. I think I can zoom in on that up here. I mean, that was such a big deal when, like, the first motherboard came out that had those notched PCIe slots on it. And then it's like everybody just forgot about that. Like, there's plenty of times where I want to put, like, a buy 8 like, a RAID card or something into a buy 4 slot and just deal with, okay, fine, it's... It won't be full bandwidth. It won't be, but, it won't be fast, But at yeah. least I could physically plug it in. Like, it, it will work if you, you know, didn't have the slot. Plus, you get ROG it. cable stickers. Ooh. You get a whole okay. sheet of them, Ryan. Twelve oh. And that's not all. Ooh. You can be like a kid and just have them all stuck on the wrong things. And just, I'm going to put them on my You get a door binder. tag yeah. to tell your mom, hey, I'm gaming. Stay out. <laughs> Those are or your favorite. wife. <laughs> or my child. Please leave me alone. Yes. I am gaming. Did you read the door tag? Hey. <laughs> door hangers. Zero disturbance while gaming. I disagree. Yeah. I bet it would encourage additional disturbance while gaming. Might be uh, some yeah. kicking doors down. It's like when you put that baby on board sticker on your car. All it does is make me want to run you off the road a little bit more. Really? Yeah. There's a really uh, great. I've never gotten that urge. There's a really great no. George Carlin skit. Oh. About the baby on board decal. Hmm. You should listen to. Okay. May he rest in peace or something. Is he dead? He's yes. dead. Yes. Yep. Yes. yes. Uh, brilliant man. Crazy. But. Crazy uh, brilliant. 
Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. That's it for the show, everybody. This has been the 365th episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. Uh, go to PCPro.com slash podcast. You can find all the back episodes. You can find the videos. You can find RSS files, direct MP3 downloads there. Um, uh, PCPro.com slash subscribe. You want to sign up for our mailing list. Don't forget about we're going to have another live stream tomorrow night where we race cars and I crash into walls. And uh, I'd like to see how far I can race with maybe only two tires on the car and just the other two are just rims you can do that with dirt rally i i did do that with dirt rally today nice. it does nice. make control more difficult just a bit uh but it, i think that i think i'm such a good driver that i really need kind of the added um difficulty to make it fair for everybody else i think you know yeah so we'll, we'll try some of that tomorrow and i will be turning around and driving the wrong direction in any game that allows it what game wouldn't allow it dirt rally wouldn't allow it correct right boom to that 10 seconds tell the developers of dirt rally that i need to turn around and run at people otherwise it's not a racing game well yeah no nobody agrees all right fine it's more like an arcade thing ryan i mean i said game i didn't say simulator good racing games allow you to do that and just ruin it for everybody else (laughs) that is the whole thing that is what multiplayer gaming is is somebody ruining it for everybody else (laughs) right exactly that's what it should be All right, everybody, that's it. We'll be back next week, probably. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Mamatano. And I'm Sebastian Peake. Bye.